Have you ever thought about that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? I did. I actually bought two homes in Albuquerque that I Airbnb'd, and it was just an amazing investment, honestly, because, you know, as you are accruing value in your property, you are also making money on the Airbnbs. It's amazing. So your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila is a must-have. It's an award-winning tequila. It's infused with real juice, with real fruit, which means the flavors are built in. It's real. So you need like two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Hey, um, you know how I'm always trying to keep my house parties exciting? New cocktails? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay, well, here's something that's going to flip the script. Okay. All right. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about this, right. Oliver Hudson. Yeah, 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila that's infused with juice from real fruits. You only need two to three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. Wait a minute. I think I know what brand you're talking about. You know why? Yeah. Because 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend. It's female founded. That's right. See? Sounds See like how I know? Something I can get behind. I know. Well, there's a good story behind that for sure. Listen, if you love tequila... You have to try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson. And my name is Oliver Hudson. We wanted to do something that highlighted our relationship. And what it's like to be siblings. We are a sibling rivalry. No. No, no. Sibling rivalry. Don't do that with your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Sibling rivalry. That's good. So this was really a fun day. Uh, We recorded this in quarantine, so it was via Zoom. And one of my favorite sibling trios we got to interview the Heim sisters um I've gotten to know Esty over the years and um my partner Danny my my life partner Danny um has known the girls for a long time so it was really fun to talk with them about how they grew up their family was always musical they had a family band growing up they they lived in the valley in Los Angeles and it was wonderful to see how close they are and how still close they are, how they navigate through working together and being siblings. And um, it seems like they have this really beautiful balance. And um, anyway, it was an absolute blast. They have a new album out that is so awesome called Women in Music Part 3. And I suggest downloading that whole thing and listening to it because it is so wonderful. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Here is... The Heim Sisters.
Danielle and Estes after proms were the best. I don't know. My, I don't know what my parents were thinking, but they decided to go out of town the weekend of Danielle's prom. And I rookie lucky. mistake, mom and dad. So rookie mistake. Lucky. What were they thinking? Like, like they they got they were like we're just we're randomly. My parents never go out of town. They're like always with us constantly. Maybe they knew what they were doing. That one weekend, yeah. it was like we're gonna just go. We're gonna have a, we're gonna take a trip, and it was the wow. weekend of Danielle's prom. And I'll never forget, I was a freshman and Danielle was a senior. And I was like, to all my friends all week, I was like, I'm so cool, guys. Like, my sister's going to make me go to her after prom. Like, I'm so cool. I had braces. I was like, Were you like, I was about to say, were you like wearing a retainer or something? Exactly. And literally, like, before I was like, I was like texting Danielle, like, dude, send me the address. Like, where's the after prom? And she literally was like, you're not coming. What are you talking about? Like, pulled the whole senior freshman, like, dynamic on me at the last second. And I was so bummed. Uh, where did you guys grow up? We grew up in the valley. In the valley. Valley girl. Let's talk about the order of you ladies. Okay. So. Who's the most orderly? Well, no, first. <laughs> first born. Me also. Um, I was the first born. I had three years of alone time with my parents. It was pure bliss. Uh, then it got all fucked got up. Three glorious years. <laughs> and then I and fucked it up. Danielle came along and <laughs> fucked it all up. Um, there's actually a really funny video of us visiting my mom in the hospital when Alana was born. And it's me like whispering to Danielle. I'm, I was six. Danielle was three. And I'm like whispering to Danielle and we're like laughing. And my dad was videoing us and was like, what's so funny, girls? And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and my dad was like, come on. Are you excited about your, your little sister being born? And I was like, I just told Danielle shit's about to change. <laughs> <laughs> and it changed That's for the better, bitch. Funny. <laughs> yeah, you made my life. You made my life so much better. It's true. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm the oldest. Right. So then Danielle. I'm the middle. I'm baby. baby. Do you guys feel like you have a very typical, I mean, since you're all girls, because we did this episode with this man who wrote a book called The Sibling Effect, and we talked about the order of children. Do you feel like you fit into that dynamic, like older child, middle child, baby? I've always wanted that. I know. Did he tell you like the, the traits of each Sibling? There's the stereotypes of it, but then there's the actual mm -hmm. research behind it. But right. there is a favorite child, and Wh who's that... the favorite girls? <laughs> I don't me. know. As he thinks that she's me. the favorite, it's me. <laughs> I know middle child. I'm a middle child, so <laughs> middle child is definitely. I think didn't he say they become usually the ones that are the overachievers? That makes a lot of sense. Danielle's like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> like, and the baby uh, of the family is usually the fuck up. Like, no one right. cares about the baby of the family. The worst sibling is the baby. Right. But the middle well, child. The baby is the one I think that's the luckiest. Because A, by the time they come around, they're like, the parents are right. like, just do whatever the fuck you want. I'm so tired of being a parent. Yep. And also, the youngest <laughs> child gets to, like, has two usually cool role models that can like tell them what's cool and what isn't are your sisters cool i mean do you my do sisters you are to be my cool? sisters are exponentially cooler than i am exponentially cooler than i am where in the valley did you guys live 
We grew up in Valley Village. Oh, yeah. Um, which is was not cool. <laughs> right. It's cool now. It's Thank cool. you. I mean, the fact that the Valley is like not, I mean, I feel, still feel like being from the Valley still gets shit for, for being from the Valley still, which I take pride in. I'm, I'm all about it. Like I'm, I'm fully an 818 Valley girl. Um, but when we were growing up, it was like a lot of just like all our neighbors were like in their 90s, their 80s or their 90s. So now going back home now, it's like all kids. I'm like, this seems like so much fun. Like my dream was to be like, my neighbor's my best friend. And then we fall in love and then we get married. Like that was like my dream scenario. And it was like my neighbor was like a 90 year old. <laughs> yeah. We were like, life. oh, life isn't Dawson's Creek when you're 14. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what? I wish my life was Dawson's Creek. Um, but the valley, I mean, the thing that I love about the valleys are still some places that um, are still around that are just super iconic. Like Oil Can Harry's has been around. Yeah. Are you guys Dawson Creek fans? Because, you know, Oliver was. Why do you I think was. I said it? Yeah. Why do you think I said it, Oliver? Yeah. <laughs> Ollie was that guy. I was Eddie Doling. I bumped it. I said it. And I was <laughs> waiting for Kate to spike it. <laughs> Eddie Doling. One of my great roles. We also all worked on Ventura Boulevard at one point in our lives. Like, it's very much. Yeah. Like, oh, I really? The Urban Outfitters. Okay. And, and the Daily Grill on Laurel and Ventura. I also worked at American Rag. That was my first oh, job. Yeah. Not oh, that. That was the spot. Do you see what I mean? My sisters are cooler than me. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I'm working at Urban Outfitters, and Danielle's like, bitch, I'm going, I'm going over the hill. I'm going to La Brea and working at the coolest <laughs> store in LA. Wasn't your mom a teacher at Buckley? My mom would talk about teaching at Buckley in the late 70s and the 80s with like such lore. It was like folklore. It was like, and then, you know, Paul Newman came in for a parent teacher conference and I got needed a lifesaver because I was drowning in his eyes and like <laughs> like stuff like that I'm like mom my mom's like from Philly like she's from like the suburb yeah. Philly and like she came her her dad got uh my grandpa got a job in LA and so he like uprooted his family and moved to LA oh. Um, and then my mom, basically my mom loved playing guitar but my grandpa was like you're never gonna make money playing guitar you're gonna be a teacher so my mom was like in the middle of getting her teaching credential and to get your teaching credential, you need teaching, like teaching experience, aid. like you need experience. So you like understudy a teacher for like a year. And so she got um, like a job at Buckley, just getting like the, un- what, I don't, what, I don't the know. Credits, what the credits, like teaching credential yeah. credits. Right. Teaching yeah. credits. And then the teacher ended up having a heart attack. Her t- first two weeks there, the teacher that she was, studying under had a heart attack in the parking lot Jesus. of Buckley and died At Buckley and she passed away unfortunately and Buckley was like do you just want the job because I guess you don't need a teaching credential to for teach private school private you school. don't for private yeah. school you, you don't just like cruise in like hey I'm gonna teach <laughs> yeah. yeah I guess so so she became like the sole art teacher at 22 years at old hey so what was just what was the vibe growing up in your household like just just the overall what was it like it was, I mean, when we were, like, really young, like, Esty would, I, I feel like the way that we would, like, all have fun would be, like, Esty would 
create these shows and we would like act in them. Like I feel like that was like a big part of our childhood. Of, like, yeah, it was a and lot of dancing. Like, as you would be like the teacher in Black Swan, she'd be like, attack it, attack it, attack it. <laughs> <laughs> I took it very seriously. Yeah, it was no joke. There's like a, there's a dance. We've been trying to find it because my parents have been on like a crazy nostalgia kick during this time. And there's one video that I remember seeing like years ago. We did a dance to the theme song of Friends. Mm-hmm. And it was on our basketball court, and it was like a lot of like running and then clapping. It was like a lot right. of like that, and it was yeah. we did like a whole show. Sounds like a viral TikTok idea. I mean, just run, you know. So it was, it was very free spirited, very open. Yeah, I mean, I think we're lucky. We're lucky that we have parents that really supported our creativity and like. I think really when it comes down to it, they wanted us to do things like dancing all the time because it tired us out because we had so much energy. And like by the time five o'clock rolled around, Keep we yourself. Yeah. I yeah. think it was more you. You, you screwed everything yeah. up. Yes. You just had so much energy. And like- Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I did have a lot of energy. But I mean, n- like growing up, you know, we had we had a mom who was like super artsy fartsy like played guitar like loved doing like she, my mom was like the art docent in our class she would like uh donate her time to like do paper mache masks in my class like very like very maternal very cool and my dad was you know a soccer player and so he loved sports but he also was like a drummer like as a, like he was a drummer hobbyist so my mom and my dad, like on their first, like when they got married, their first dance, instead of having a first dance, they had a first song. Mm-hmm. And my dad played drums, my mom played guitar and sang. Cute. At their wedding. Yeah. So then when we were growing up, I think that they kind of instilled in us like this love of music, because that's kind of the reason they fell in love was their like their shared love of like the practicar of music. And so we all grew up you know, hearing songs on the radio and then learning them by ear. And so eventually my dad like woke up from a dream one night and was like, we're going to make a band with the kids. How old were you guys? I was 10. So Danielle was seven and Alana was four. Oh my God. Wow. Alana, what the hell were you playing? Like literally like a cowbell. Like I was not, I was, it's not like I was just like wunderkind that was like playing like Tchaikovsky at the age of four. Like, no, I I was playing like a cowbell, whatever, like I could lift. I mean, four years old, you're like, you don't even really have strength. And were you guys down with it? Were you like, oh, this is cool. Or like, dad, what? Yeah. But playing songs, we were like playing like Beatles songs and stuff. So it was like super, it was just like fun. I mean, when we got a little older, it was like, is this cool? Like. Well, what? the other, like, I remember being, <laughs> I remember being 11, like a year after we had kind of formed this band with our parents. And I remember, like, I didn't really talk about it. It was just, I thought it was like something that you do when you turn 10. And like, I therefore thought everyone had a family band. <laughs> so like when my friends would be like, I'm going to the fashion square on Saturday. Do you guys want to come? And I'd be like, wait a minute. Like, when are you going to rehearse? <laughs> and they'd be like, for what? And I'd be like, with your band, like with your family, with your parents, like, when are you doing that? Wow. So you thought this is what everybody did. I thought it was everyone did. And then I had a realization like, oh, no, like my family is just a little weird. But where did you perform? (laughs) So St. Francis de Sales Fair. 
the same Francis of Sales Fair that's like a, which was next door to Dixie Cannon Elementary. It's like it was, the private school. They had like the it was like the fair every the year. Church fair. Church fair that we would play. And then we would play like the Sherman Oaks Street Fair. Sherman Oaks Street Fair. There was like a there was like a stage right in front of a party city that we would play. Oh it was good. That's so and good. all you I wanted as we I grew older was like to play footage. bar mitzvahs and weddings so that I could afford a car. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, that's never going to yeah. happen. You're only playing for charity until you turn 18. <laughs> and then do whatever you want. And then do then you're you someone else's want. problem. Wow. Yeah. So you played for free. You played for free. Okay, good. And we honestly, and I and I feel like every time we talk about, it was called Rockenheim. And oh, was no, stop. Stop. I swear to God. With no G. R-O-C-K-I-N apostrophe H-A-I-M Rockenheim. And like whenever we talk about it, like I, I just want to like make it clear, like we we were not a good band, yeah. like we were really not good. Like we we practiced so much and still, like I look, like in my mind, I was like, oh my god, we were like you too, like we were the best band <laughs> yeah. ever. And then I watched like videos of it, and we were awful. Like we were like yeah. honestly really bad. We were like, really we were bad. Good. We were really bad. Um, but it was fun. It was totally fun. Did you gravitate towards the instruments that you guys now play, or what, when you were younger, or was that like a shift? Sort of. Well, we it all started with like my dad always had like a drum kit set up in the in the living room, so like we all kind of collectively started on drums, and then moved on to like my my mom had this piano that got handed down to her from her like great great grandmother. I don't know how we got it. It was like yeah, no idea. But we had this like piano, so we kind of like moved over to piano, and then I think once like. Rockenheim was kind of starting. Danielle just like I, there, there's like videos of Danielle like as a baby walking towards the guitar. I think that she like all, like in she her, always like, gravitated towards the guitar. Yeah, yeah. gravitated towards guitar and like always really wanted to play guitar. So Danielle kind of moved to guitar. Esty tried guitar. I was awful. Esty <laughs> didn't. Esty didn't really like take it as take. Esty like, turned into depressedy after her. <laughs> six-year-old sister was exponentially better than her at an instrument when she was nine (laughs) and I think my dad saw that I was like super discouraged and I actually I have this like very vivid memory of my dad playing um stop making sense for me and I remember seeing Tina Weymouth and being like oh she's so pretty and cool and she looks like princess peach and she's like what is this four-stringed instrument she's playing? I didn't know mm-hmm. what a bass was. When mm-hmm. I went, you know, you know what, like, like guitar makes, like it, those are kind of the instruments that like, and like when you listen to a song when you're younger, you hear the melody, you hear the words, and you kind of like know the beat, but like bass is not easy for like a kid to hear. So I didn't really know what it was. And then my dad was like, see, like, look at how cool that girl is. And I was like, ah, I want to be like her. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it was my, an image thing before it was an in musical thing. A hundred percent. I was right. like, I just want to look cool. Like, what can I do to look cool? <laughs> and then Alana kind of just played everything. Alana- I was always like the puzzle piece of the band. Like I my I always loved percussion, but I also played keyboard and I and then when I saw Danielle playing guitar, I got jealous and was like, I want to play that too. And so then I moved over to guitar but but it kind of like shows even in high like when you see us live like i pretty much play i have like a whole like wizard setup it's it really honestly my job hasn't changed since i was four that's so cute (laughs) i want a wizard setup i want a wizard room 
Yes. You can, we can help you set one up. I mean, we're pretty, pretty like our, the expertise when it comes to a wizard room is. You need like timbales. You need like a cowbell. Even the one thing that I never got to have that I always wanted was wind chimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're the coolest. Yeah, the wind chime. Have you guys ever had any wind chimes in your tracks? Might start today. It might be. Today might be the day. It's chime time. It's it's chime time. It's chime chime time. time. We need to like bring that back. That's like early 80s. At least least just open the song with it. (laughs) (laughs) You know. What about flute? Essie played flute. I played flute. Jeff, like the Jethro Tull of it all is not really like (laughs) something that I think that we would get down with at this juncture in our career. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I will say this, Kate. I'm waiting for a Kate Hudson (laughs) record. Yeah. I'm like, I know. Essie waiting. I feel like we've been talking about this for too long. For so long. Function of beauty. I I've been loving my shampoo. Actually, I'm a big fan of clean product, no sulfates, no parabens, and really trying to just make sure that the things that I use every day are pretty clean. And so, learning about function of beauty has been has been really nice. It's hard to find good hair product that's clean. It's customizable. So. You can go on their site. They just sort of ask you the things that you want. And quite, you basically customize your own shampoo and conditioner. You can use dyes if you want. You don't have to use dyes. You can, you know, if you have wavy hair, if you have dry hair, colored hair, all of those things that make it hard to find the right hair product. They did a really great job of just creating this cool website that actually delivers great products. So... It's also the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand. Over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. So to get started right now, go to functionofbeauty.com slash sibling to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% off your first order. Don't spend another minute in hair misery. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash sibling to let them know that we sent you. That's right. We sent you. That's functionofbeauty.com. Dot com slash sibling. So we wrote a song with him called Hallelujah, and he I think he brings things out of people that not a lot of people can. Really? He really yeah. like we wrote we wrote like one of our most personal songs to date about be like it's a song about being sisters. Oh. Uh, I love and it's called I mean- Hallelujah. And we wrote it with Toby JJ, Tobias Jessa Jr. He's really talented. Right so we basically like Tobias had kind of been talking to us about, you know, like what is By the it way, like? I love that song. We're sitting here not saying but I do I love that song. Oh, thank well, you. But I love all of your guys' music. Oh, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You don't. You don't need to call. I, I. I'll compliment you till the cows come home. Bless yes. me, forget I was the one that brought up Dawson's Creek. I know. Okay. It was don't very shocking. I'm really okay with this being a one-sided relationship. <laughs> I'm truly okay with that. I will bow at the temple of Oliver Hudson till the no, day. No, I. Come. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. How many yeah. people do you guys write with? Do you write with a lot of different people, or do you write no. mostly with yourself? No. That's what's crazy no. about our relationship with Tobias. It's like he. Is probably like just 
one of like the handful of people we've ever really written with. Yeah. You know, but that, like that being said, he really did bring something I think out of us that we had never really tapped into. And we'd always wanted to write a song about, you know, sisterhood and being sisters and what it's like being sisters and how lucky we are. But it, it, we didn't really, it didn't really like come to us until we really sat down and each kind of wrote our own story. And then we put it into song and that's kind it of how might it be nice on. actually for something that personal too, like to actually get like someone to help kind of totally yeah. because it can totally. turn like real yeah real cheese ball like real it can cool. go yeah. squirrel <laughs> real soon yeah like, real soon yeah. Is this it? yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ollie, maybe we should write a song about being I know. Writer. I was going to say, you guys should start a band. Yeah, we, we should, should form a band. Just just don't, he can't sing. <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 no. He can do backup. It's just, no, no. he'll. I, 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 Kate, Kate, Kate thinks I can't sing. I, I got, I got pipes. It's just, it's authentic pipe. You know, yeah, they're it's, just it's not, authentic pipes. It's authentic pipe. It's golden, not trained. Golden it's not, pipes. Yeah, it's golden not pipes. trained. It's just, it's just, it's, it's just pure real. soul. Pure Honestly, soul. Honestly, studio magic is a real thing. You can do anything in there. That's true. Right. It's true. We'll get someone else to sing your parts live. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Was one of you closer with the other? Was there ever like a dynamic shift? Did your were you guys all? You know, were your parents really kind of? Well, that's like a million questions. But let me just start with the. Dynamic. Well, I think no. I think what really changed, honestly. Like we were all. I mean, obviously, we're still siblings, so we would fight all the time. Like we're not the Partridge family, and so like we would fight all the time. But I think honestly, when Essie got her license, that was like when everything changed because Essie could drive us around. But also, I would say that like I feel like SDU and like when we're talking about like being younger, like I feel like you and I had a really strong relationship and like Alana was kind of like our little, like, yeah. like we would boss Alana around. We would boss Alana around a lot. There's, mm. yeah, I mean, there's videos of yeah. it too. Like, yeah. I would, there's like yeah. video, like evidence of like Danielle literally sitting on a stool and she dropped her pick in front of her. Well, to be fair, like the stool was really high and I was like playing, okay. trying to, like, I couldn't reach down to get the pick and I'd be like, Alana, Go grab my pick. Can you grab my pick? And it's literally by her feet. And I was like on the other side of the fucking room. And I'd be like, I literally like went, I was like, okay. you see, like you see my little, like my little head, like going in and like picking up picks. And like, <laughs> it's almost, that's, guys just like, that's almost rite of passage shit though. Like I see, right? my, I see my boys doing that too. You know, where Bodie is my, my middle boy, but younger than Wilder. And Wilder's like, Bodie, like go get me this or do this. And if I ever see it, I'm like, get it yourself, dude. I know. You know but, but it happens all the time where I Bodie's know. running around for Wilder. For whatever reason, our parents were like, maybe we were just like really good about like just doing it without our parents like either noticing well, or like mom and dad, like they were like, like SD, you always sat in the passenger seat. If, oldest, like, if like the oldest always sat in the passenger, like yeah. you had 
There was no like like uh, shotguns. Oh, so oh permanent, really? Permanent shotgun. Essie yeah. still has permanent shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> no shit. Or I'm like, I'm driving. Miss, miss, I'm always, I always have permanent shotgun. You didn't get your license until you turned 18. I drove you everywhere. Aggression. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really not get your license till you were 18? I didn't get my license till I was 18. Because she, she had us me. to drive her everywhere. I was like, I didn't need it. I was like, I didn't need it. Because the thing is, is like, I, on, I have the best, again, I have the best sisters in the world. When I started, when I got my braces off in uh, the end of freshman year, I was finally allowed to go out with Essie and Danielle because then that was like the most embarrassing thing about me. I was like, I had braces. Like, I couldn't sneak in places because I had braces. Like, yeah, the bouncer would be like, for real? Like, are you trying? You're trying to sneak into this bar. You have like you brought your like toddler sister like with braces. Like, no, you're not getting in. Like, please. So like the second that I got my braces off, that's like when I was like, okay. Well, I got Danielle and Alana fake IDs when Alana was 14 and Danielle was 17. What? Yeah. 17, I can understand. I had a fake ID when I was 16. I still can't believe they they let me in places. I looked ridiculously I young. Mean, well, <laughs> I also took, I took your, you like gave me your ID and you got like a new one. And yeah. then when I was like, yeah, 16, I would go and like get cigarettes. Like I'd be like, I'm 18, I'm 19 or whatever. Yeah, but 14 trying to pass yeah, for 21. No, I know. I know. <laughs> it hardly ever worked. It like, hardly ever worked. But the reason was, is because me, Danielle and Alana, when had this like, very 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 like deep passion for la bands mm -hmm. and like going to see live music and the thing about la like venues chief? is they're all 21 and over chief being one of them mm -hmm. yeah chief, chief. but yeah i mean it wasn't my parents also like trusted the like speaking to dynamics like i am such an intense bulldog when it comes to protecting my sisters and like I make it abundantly clear that no one is going to fuck with them because I I get so like acutely aggro when I feel like they're in danger or that someone's messing with them. Like I go, I, I just see red. Ollie's like the opposite with me. I'm like, I'm in danger. He's like, you're fine. I'll be right back. <laughs> like, let We'd me finish my cigarette. We'd be <laughs> Yeah. I'd be like, Ollie, I feel really unsafe. He'd be like, I I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's all in your head. You're good. So it sounded like it sounded like you guys, for the most part, were all pretty tight. There was, I mean, you fought like sisters, but it was never anything that was bad. Right. And honestly, that's the we get that question. I wonder if you guys get it too. Like, do you guys fight all the time? Like, that's the qu the most asked question. Mm -hmm. Like, what yeah. do you guys fight about? Yeah. yeah, like mm -hmm. people are like, like obsessed with us fighting. We don't really fight. <laughs> we don't really fight either. Ollie and I don't fight. We no. we we'll, we'll we'll disagree about something, or we'll right, exactly. have like I'll no. be like that wasn't cool. But there's no there's no like fighting. No, yeah. I know. And, and usually the thing that comes after, like, do you guys fight? We're like, no, they're like, they'll be like, oh, well, I can't even, Im I hate my brother. Right? I hate yeah, my I can't brother. imagine being in a band with my sibling. Well, I usually just hold a lot in and then it all comes out irrationally in some tirade. That's some older, that's, that's <laughs> an older sibling thing. So did you, did you guys party together? I mean, did you guys yeah. a lot? Yeah. I think that's how Alana kind of got her nickname was like, whenever me and Danielle would go to parties, he would be like, where's the baby? 
Where's the baby? Baby Hyam was born. Baby Hyam was born. Where's the baby? Where's the baby? So cute. Well, there was like a loophole. Like randomly, I don't know what my parents were thinking, but like I, I till literally, I think to this day, if I was still living with my parents, I would have this curfew. But my curfew was at midnight. Like Mm. until I was like 23 years old. Like (laughs) they were like all of us at midnight. You have to be home. But if I was with Esty, no curfew. Because Esty was like technically my parent. Now, were you responsible? Esty responsible girl? Like were you? Oh, like Esty was so responsible the most. Honestly, you think like I would always be like, yeah, Esty's gonna let me do whatever I want. Esty was even worse than my parents. Esty would like 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 eagle eye me and be like you're not doing jack shit like you're fucking i've actually not. seen that eagle eye and sd a couple nights yeah, <laughs> yeah sd eagle Hyam was always my that was my nickname living up to my name <laughs> i'll never forget there was like a huge valley party that we threw and it was so fun and like the party was getting so big that sd eagle eyed me so hard that it was, it was getting too big that she dropped me home i was wow. like dude I want to stay at the party. And she was like, absolutely no. not. I'm driving you home. How I don't old trust these people. I think I was like 16. 16. And she was like, I'm driving you home. And I was like, buzzkill, dude. Like, <laughs> I want to stay. I, I for your own good, dude. Well, wait, but Danielle, where were you in all of this? Oh, I was at the party. <laughs> and yeah. I, was, I couldn't, yeah. Again, I still to this day maintain, like, the reason I felt cool going out was because I had Danielle and Alana with me. They were always so much cooler than I was. That's not I true. Mean, uh, it's 100% true. Like when it comes to like like chill being had, I have no chill. I'm such a nerd and such a dork and like I was so frantic as a kid. Like all I wanted was like to be like I don't know, I wanted to like make friends with people. I came from like a really tiny school and so like I would go out and I would go to shows and all I wanted to do was like, you know, I would go see Rilo Kylie at, you know, Silver Lake Lounge. And all I would want to do was like be like friends with them because mm-hmm. I was like, I idolized them so much. And Danielle and Alana were like my armor. I was like, I have these like two really cool, like deaf friends. Well, well, Danielle, Danielle, how did you see Esty? I mean, that's her perception of herself in a way. Did you see her the right. same way? No, I mean, I saw Esty as the coolest. Esty. Okay. I wasn't, I really wasn't that cool. What are you talking about? I wasn't that cool. But it was, I, you know, I was like painfully insecure and all I wanted, all I, I, I still am. And I was always very shy. So like, I would always just be like, Esty Well, that rock. was like the cool dynamic is like, there was like this like really talkative, like older sister who would be like, meh, 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 like You're making like, all yeah, jokes. Ethel yeah, yeah. And then like, and then here's like this like cool girl with mystique, like 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 sitting in the corner, like smoking a cigarette, and like and like we were kind of the gruesome twosome. And then when Alana came along, it was kind of like we were this I was like, like douche. Yeah, Alana like kicked Do the door. Was, like, let me show you how this is done. Again, I think the common denominator is that we just really loved like the LA music scene and like we really supported it and like we loved going to shows. And again, like our high school was really, really small. And, you know, there weren't a lot of kids that liked the same music as I did and was, and, and was in fa- as infatuated as I was with like going to see like live music in LA. And so my friends were just kind of like, we're going to go like to a theater show in downtown because they're doing like waiting for Godot. And I'd be like, that's cool. But like, I really want to go see like 
Elliot Smith play down the street. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really have anyone to go with. And like, I was like, Oh, here's these, like, I have like two girls in my arsenal, like <laughs> that can come with me. And like, I would buy, I would like save up my lunch money to buy tickets. And I just, I did. And I would take them with me again. And again, that's like, Aww. I think that was what kind of bonded us is like, I would be like, I would buy, you know, CDs from Amoeba and second spin and play them in the car. I drove carpool. So like, Danielle was in my carpool my senior year when she was a freshman. And then when Alana was a freshman and Danielle was a senior, Alana was in carpool and like, Danielle was was going to say like, I was a senior when Alana was a freshman. So it was like in that way, like SD introduced me to all of her friends. And yeah. then like, Alana was coming in. Like, I mean, like every me. senior dude would be like, Hey, like what's the deal with your like sister? That's I'd not be, like, true. Stay the <laughs> fuck away from her. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. When did the family band break up? And was that a really oh, okay. sad day? Uh, and, and is it on, and is it on VH1 behind the music? <laughs> Honestly, in my dreams. No, um, it technically we're not broken up. I mean, my parents yeah, we're still very much together. Rock and I'm still together to this day. Uh, Rock and I'm um, comes out probably at every holiday season. Rock and I'm makes usually like makes an appearance like when we're at our biggest show. show. Yeah, like yeah. my parents wait. They like they wait until like they're not coming to see us in like Ohio or like no. They're like, no, we're waiting for Radio, you know, City. Radio City. Mm-hmm. We want Radio City. We want the we want the Greek. We want the we Greek. Want the, oh, we exactly. want the Radio Cities. We want the the like Alley Pallies in London. Like they come, they literally come <laughs> out at every big show. And and now they just expect it. That's the thing that's so crazy. Like we won't t- <laughs> like, like they'll, they bring their own in ears. They yeah. have like generics. Oh, They're like ready. <laughs> there was like one time. There was one time. I think I forget. Was it Radio City? I think it might have been Radio City where my dad came up to us and was like, so when are we coming on? And we were like, dad, you're not coming on. What are you talking about? Just go have a good time. Like go watch the show. It's fine. And then I felt bad. So like the whole, like my dad was like, okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) And and then I felt bad the whole show. I was like, oh, you know what? Like there's like a microphone that like is on stage that only everybody on stage can hear. So on the microphone, I was like, can someone just go get my parents? Like let's we'll, we'll do Mustang Sally. We do a roaring rendition of Mustang, That's Mustang our song. Sally. That's, That's our song. song. Mm-hmm. Who's the, who's a lead singer on the Mustang? Oh, Sally? My mother. My mother. Yeah. Okay. It's Donna and the Hyams. I literally said, I'm not fucking with you. I literally said on the microphone, like, does anyone have eyes on my parents? Like, can you just like tell them we'll do Mustang Sally? And I'm not even kidding you. Like I felt like it was like road runner. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they were just already backstage. Like my mom's like warming up with tea. She's like me, 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 me. Like walking around backstage. My dad's like air drumming. My dad's like stretching and like air drumming and is like ready to fucking go. And I was like, they're professionals. They're professionals. That's awesome. That's amazing. What amazing memories though, like to have with your with your parents. That's yeah. pretty and cool. My mom, my mom always comes on and like speaks for 20 minutes before she sings because she's yeah. just overwhelmed. Like she'll go on like a whole like monologue and there'll be a spotlight and like fog and she'll just be like, I am just so excited to be here. We're like, Mom, this isn't your show. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you think Esty, because she's the oldest, had the biggest influence on the music that you liked? For sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. And do you remember what that was the most? Like, do you remember what was the most influential music that you guys listened to as kids? 
Danielle, what was it, your 13th or 14th birthday when Essie got you all those CDs? Yeah, like Essie got me a bunch of new CDs, I think, for my 13th birthday. And it was like the Boogie Night soundtrack. Boogie Night soundtrack, yes. which is so like full circle. Um, Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith. Ben Queller. Um, yeah. Cat Power. Cat Power. I think it was also The Strokes. Animal Collective. And The Strokes. It was Animal. Room on Fire. I think I The Strokes through. was like the the band that really just. Uh, well, that yeah. first album is still one of the great yeah. albums. Yeah. It's yeah. like the best. Amazing. Yeah. And I think there, that was like the big bonding moment. Because before that, it was like, I love the Spice Girls and SD like new metal. And like, yeah. you know, I like the like, Teletubbies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like it was a little squirrely. But then I feel like that the Strokes were like the, yeah. the big yeah. band that really likes. Um, and also like, you can imagine like how excited slash jealous Alana and I were when Danielle became a part of Julian's band in 20 and 2009. I was so bummed. So jealous. So bad. <laughs> yeah, like I would be, Essie was a senior in college. I was a senior in high school. And Danielle was like touring the world with Julian Casablancas. And I was like, what? I mean, I was obviously so stoked, obviously. But I was like, what is going on? This is How was that touring at that age with them? Oh, yeah. it was crazy. I was like 19. Yeah. Like, you know, and we were honestly, we we were playing shows as Haim in between, like when I would come home. Like I feel like we played a show together at the Troubadour with Chief, like in one of those breaks. And it was just crazy. Like I was touring, yeah, like it was just fucking But yeah, like, we we did that show and you know, Danielle Danielle had kind of we had just opened up for Julian on tour. And I think that was kind of like Danielle did double duty. Danielle played with Haim and then played with Julian. And I think that was kind of the moment we were like, okay, we're fucking doing this. Like we've had a taste of this touring situation and we're doing it. When was the moment where it was like, okay, this is what we're doing and this is it. This is it. You know, was there a moment when that happened? I really feel like we didn't have like the confidence to like leave at like, we would play shows in LA forever. And like, we could never get a good recording to like promote. Represent what we were. You know, we didn't really know a lot about like production. We got really into garage banding. I was like a garage band, like aficionado. Did you know who you were though? Had you discovered who you were at that point? I mean, if there was a point from, I mean, we started playing shows as Haim in 2007 and we didn't get signed until 2012. So in between that time, like Daniel, remember like we were all playing just shows in LA, just hoping to tour. Yeah. Like tour one day. Like the idea was to just like, hopefully just just keep playing and at one point like headline the troubadour and i feel like that there were some songs that were left over from the wire yeah our song the wire we wrote in like 2008 that was Um, the only one that survived yeah but i think we really like honed our live show just i mean it's like normal band shit you just Mm -hmm. like grind 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 and by the time we kind of went to the uk to get signed like our show, we like we had our shit together because we had been just like grinding for six years mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that actually really helped us because that was around the time that like like bedroom pop and people were like getting signed just from putting out like good sounding stuff. But like when it came to their live show, like they didn't really know what to do. And like we were just like, we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're yeah. the exact opposite. We don't know what the fuck we're doing on record, but yeah, we, we don't know how to make well. a recording, but we definitely know how to play live. 
What about your songwriting process? I mean, is it pretty fluid or is there contention ever or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, there's obviously times where, like, you think that, like, your words are, like, insanely profound. Like, you, like, right. write down this, like, profound thing, and then you, like, show it to the group, and they're, like, you're super emo, like, please stop. Um, but then, but, like, the thing is, like, there's, it's just, like, it just happens. Like, we, we, in the beginning, I feel like when we were, like, younger, it was, like, a process that was, like, super, like, intense. And I feel like since we've been, this is our third record now. And I think that, mm-hmm. like, by, at this point now, it kind of is just, like, second nature writing together. Yeah. I also think, like, we've realized that it's something that we have to work on actively. It's, like, you have to just show up either, like, every day. Like, when we're trying to write new music, it's, like, all right, like, let's just try and write something every day for the next month because if it if not like i think when we were first writing music it was like oh i had this idea for a song like that would happen like once every couple months or something where like an idea just kind of comes to you um i think it's something that we've learned that like we have to actually like show up every day and 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 just yeah like just try to work that muscle because that one idea that comes to you in the shower only happens like Twice a year. And it is a muscle because, like, you know, you even if you sit down, it's like it's like you almost have to write a hundred songs to write one great one. Like, hundred percent, hundred percent. And then you think about all these people who just, I don't, they're just like always writing, and they're so prolific, and they write all these like songs, and you're just like, oh my god, but they're constantly writing yep. music. Yeah, and that was like a big lesson. I mean, and it's it's also so hard to not judge what you you are writing. The thing that we've learned is like. Don't sit down and try to just, and write a whole song. Like you can just sit down and just write a part. It can be a verse. It can be a chorus. It could be a bridge. As long as you're just putting something down and try so hard not to judge it, you can judge it later. Just like put it down. So you have something like, this is what I worked on yesterday. And then, and then you can judge it later. That's like, that was, that's been huge for us. Yeah. This is getting me insp- I'm like inspired right now. I'm yeah, like, yeah, this but, is but, great, but, guys. But, I have to go. I have to go. <laughs> but it's true, though. It's true. It's, a, it's just almost getting it out a lot of the times just yeah. helps so much, you know, because I, yeah. I would imagine that you can get so specific and perfectionist. And, and sometimes that just holds so much creativity. Yeah. And just like judge it when it's coming out. You're like, this sucks. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Or just and like, you have nothing. It's like writing in general. That's why, like, when people have yeah. writer's block, they're like, just write. Just like stream of consciousness. Just like yeah. keep your pen move moving, you know? Yeah. Or you like and, brain dump. And what about albums and stuff? I mean, do you, do you do work with concepts? Are you conscious of trying to change your sound? Not change, but sort of evolve or do something different, you know? I think we honestly evolve naturally. It's like a weird thing. I think, I mean, when I look back at our first record, it like feels like we were like babies. <laughs> like it's like, it's like well, we just sort of were. We were, we were like <laughs> babies. Like, like, you literally were babies. They were babies. I think it really just, when we first started recording music, we honestly were so fucking green. Like we were really, like we had no idea what we were doing. Thankfully we found producers that were like, that could take like the gibberish that we would say and be like, this, we want this to feel like blue or like we want this to sound like this. And like they were they really like, thankfully like patient with us. And I think now coming from like our first record now to our third record, we know the vocabulary and we know exactly what we want to, what, what we want things to sound like. And um, I think it really just like, when you hear our new record, when it comes out, um, by far this is our favorite record i think that by far i mean it's like 
this is my favorite child talking about children. Right. This is my, my children. Um, but yeah, it just kind of happens naturally. There's like, we get inspired by different things and it really is like, especially with this record, it really was. I mean, it, there's so many different genres on our new record and it was really like what Danielle was saying, like not being scared of a certain genre and not being like super hard on yourself about what the song is sounding like. So do you ever fight over what songs you think should be singles or do you ever like, how, how would you remedy no. A difference of opinion, or are you guys pretty much on the same page? Like that's going to be our first single. There have been songs that like I am super passionate about that Essie and Danielle are not passionate about. Which, well, not not passionate about, but like there was like on our last record, our first single was called "Want You Back," and it was like a song that just like refused to make sense. Like we we did so many different versions of it, and it just wasn't working. And it and I always loved it. I was like, I love this song so much. Like I really feel like we're sleeping on this song. Like we need to put this song out. And it took like me being like, we're fucking figuring this out. And then it ended up becoming our first singles. Like there's like things like that, where it's like one of us, if there's like a song where they're like, Oh, we forgot about this song. It's like that. We're very open to like shit. Like Danielle, how was working with Ezra? Father of the bride is like one of my favorite. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love it. My kids love it, too. Uh, it was so great. You know, like, we're obviously, we're also huge, like, Vampire Weekend fans yeah. when they first came out. And we've, like, you know, become friends over the years. And my boyfriend, Ariel, who produces our stuff, was producing that album. So they were, like, always, we have a home studio. And so, like, Ezra would just be over. And he'd be like, can you put a harmony on this? I'd be like, sure. And it kind of just turned into me being featured on the album which is awesome yeah i Oof. love that album oh that album is so good i know oh wait but i will i want to ask about the song that just came out oh yeah but before oh. um how did you do this what did you did you already it's called uh i know, I know alone, alone. uh-huh okay. yeah did you write it in quarantine or did you oh, already have no. that? You so weird. It's that so strange. Weird. It's like fucking crazy. We wrote it like a well, year and a half ago. And it was always going to be the after the steps. It was always going to come out after the steps. Like we had this plan of like what we wanted to put out and it was always going to come out the time that it did. And it literally, it was just super weird timing. timing. But yeah, it's like become this like quarantine. Quarantine. Crazy. <laughs> When does your album a uh, drop, as they say in the music biz? Uh, June drop. June twenty sixth is when it comes out. Well, did you read? I mean, Allison and I, our producer, we were just talking about the Atlantic article about concerts. Did you? No, oh, oh, I didn't. Oh, did it come out today? Depressing. Is it depressing? I've just been getting depressing news. <laughs> I like. I know. Don't know if my heart can handle it. That honestly is like such a, like the sad part of like what's happening. Like we we had like we were so excited to go on tour and like, I don't even, we know also like happen. made this album, like really tour. making sure that like, like, like with playing live, like in mind when making this album, mm. like, Oh, this is going to be amazing live when we, we play it hard. Yeah. And, you know, so it's really weird. God. Yeah, well, well you'll get there, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things when you love live music or you love to experience, you know, live it's music. It's sad. It's but really it also awesome. does give me hope that like when it actually is safe to <laughs> to go to concerts, like people are gonna like rage even harder. Oh That's my god, it's gonna be insane. So hard. I'm just gonna yeah. rage. Like at every festival that I go to, it's just gonna be a new 
Oh, the oh, feeling. Yeah. It's going to be so like elevated and oh, yeah. gonna, the vibration's going to be insane. It's going to be like the Whoa. summer of love. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I, I was just about I was just about to say that. It's going to be like the 60s and after World War yes. II. Like everyone's probably going to start fucking and there's yes. going to be like a new baby exactly. boom. It's just going to be like, I'll just fuck you. Like, we can touch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally. <laughs> I'm literally like, I mean, like that's like literally like, did you see my face? How it glowed up? And you're yeah, like, you got very excited. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, uh, okay, speed round. Speed okay, round. we gotta hurry. Okay, one word to describe Esty. Alana and Danielle, you have Badass. to do one. That's good. Um, one word to describe Esty. She, you're a party. I feel like you are a party. A badass party is so cute. Oh yeah, I like it. Badass party. Okay, Dan. One word to describe Danielle. Prolific. Oh, okay. Lord. I'll take it. Okay, someone to college. Um, <laughs> did you know a party? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, do you know is you're like, I think you're the, um, fuck, it's like hard to put in a word. No, but it's hard to say a word like, because you're- You could say, say it, you could uh, say, I say a sentence. I want to say like intelligent. I feel like Danielle is like- intelligent. Intelligent. Beautiful. Yes, you are. Oh God! And she, so you're intelligently prolific. I love it. Okay, Alana, one, one word, word to describe baby. Fun. I guess you didn't go to college. <gasps> I I like fun. <gasps> okay, <laughs> you're fun. You're like wait. I feel like I have like a like a character. Like you're Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, you also that's true. You're a sage. She's a sage. A fun uh, sage baby Yoda. Oh. She's a, a fun sage baby Yoda. So would you say I was wise? Wise. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you are wise beyond your years, truly. You are truly wise. Alana's given me such some of the best advice I've ever received. And she's six years younger than me. Who's more organized of the three of you? Danielle. Am I? I think, I think it's me, by the way. It's Essie? Okay, Essie can take it. Fine. I'm organized. Best style. Danielle. Danielle. Bossier. The bossiest. Alana. I would say me. Alana. <laughs> who's, the Alana. Fun, who's the funniest? Essie. Me. <laughs> me. Oh, oh we, the, have, we have a uh, face oh. coming from Alana. Alana's like, are you fucking kidding me right it's now? It's Essie. Give it to Esty. Oh, but Baby's sort of like, well. Yeah, Baby's like, that's You're crazy. funny, too. You're funny, too, but I'm funnier than you. Well, I have my moments. I feel like I'm really funny. Danielle. Yeah, oh, Danielle. Well, well, hold on. Danielle, break the tie. Who's funnier? I was going to say, to Essie's credit, growing up, Essie was so fucking funny growing up. So Essie made it okay for me to feel like I could also be funny girl. Like, Essie was, like, always funny. It's always the life of the party. And it was like. You know, I was like, oh, if SC can do it, like I can do it. Like S everyone loves SC. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'll be funny too. So SC, you get it. You can, you can have the funny. <laughs> Rats off to you. Rats Who off to you. would get you guys, like if you needed an upgrade at a hotel, if you needed to get yourself out of a SC. ticket. SC, easily. Like that's, SC does that now. I do it now. Oh yeah, yeah. She yeah. she just offered to basically be my lawyer and negotiate yeah. shit. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I act as my I act as my own. Like I I pretend to be this this character named Ashley, mm -hmm. 
and I call ahead and I'm like, you know, SD Heim is checking in, you know, she's going to need, can she please have like, I don't know, a bottle of water when she gets there. <laughs> so you are your own assistant? Is yes, Essie's yes. yes. her own assistant. Ashley, Essie doesn't Heim's seem too demanding. Assistant. You know, a bottle, bottle of water. Bottle would be nice. Not a lot to ask for. Yeah. You know, Liz, I like the simpler things. Yeah. I'm not high maintenance. Who cries Who is- the most? Essie. Oh, really? Oh, you know what? It might be Danielle. <laughs> It might be Danielle. When was the last time you guys? When was the last time you guys cried? Yesterday. You cried yesterday. <laughs> I cried yesterday. Happy cry or sad cry? Um, Diane Keaton cried both. Right, like Diane Keaton, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. I love those cries, though. Those I cried. Great I just, cries. I cried. Right, I cried right before I was on. Uh, came on here. I, I tried to do a meditation and. I just like started crying. Aww. Well, Why? I think that means you're doing it right. Yeah. No, because so- I was mad that I couldn't do it right. So I just oh. cried. Well, <laughs> that's why I don't do it. I can never do it. <laughs> I'm like, something is going on with Oliver. I need to, when we get off of this, Aww. I need to, I need we, to check there's in. There's still things there. Uh, the unpacking is still, it's a process. We're uh, unpacking. Oh I know. God, I these know. months, I mean, the, the, the layers of this figurative onion are like annoying me. <laughs> it's oh. like, what? There's another layer. Come on. Oh, it's, it's, an, it's the largest onion anyone has ever <laughs> like, seen. It's the, uh, <laughs> it's like, just get me to the core. God damn it. <laughs> But it's so much fun peeling all the layers and crying after each layer. (laughs) Um, Who's the most dramatic? Esty. Esty. Who calls calls each other like the most? I call everybody. You do. I call you. Esty. Esty. Okay, fine. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You definitely, you definitely are the best about picking up your phone. That is for sure. I like. There have been times where it's like I'm, I'm literally like breaking up with my boyfriend, and a fucking sister will call and be like, "What? Sorry, one second. Can you just hold that thought really quick? I just have to, I have to go pick up my phone." <laughs> like, I pick up every phone call from my family. It's true. Who's the worst driver of you three? Alana. 100% me. 100% uh, Alana. Oh. 100% you, Alana. I wear uh, with pride. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Who's the better cook? Danielle. Danielle. Who is the better dancer? SD. Okay. If you were to cast you guys as like, so like, like who would play you in the movie? <laughs> the Heim sisters. Your mom. Meryl Streep. Your mom. <laughs> I call Meryl Street. Okay, no, Meryl no, Street. you guys, you can't cast yourself. It has to be oh. your sisters casting you. We can't cast ourselves. <laughs> you guys are first wives club. It's like okay, Danielle's for sure. Diane Keaton. Okay. <laughs> Esty, I would say either like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Ooh, that would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Like, like Babs would play like an epic Esty. Like, mm-hmm. and then oh, like totally. It. Like in the way we were, like with like a. I sat next to her ex husband at a at a Shabbat once. I sat next to Elliot Gould, and let me tell you, we had a great time. We talked a lot, <laughs> and at the end of the night, he everyone was going home, and he looked at me, and he was like, "You know, you remind me so much of a young Barbara." 
And wow. then and SD's head just exploded. Like SD can't fit in a doorway now. SD was no, like, No, I'm actually a I hologram know. of myself right now. I died that <laughs> night. I'm like, I just we deceased. I'm like not I'm not here right now. Who would play me? Oh yeah. Yeah. Alana? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Let's go. Meryl. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. You, you guys, this is a very different age bracket of a movie, but this is like you guys old. You just, you guys just did you guys like, like, <laughs> it's like funny casting. Oh, like, uh, that's, like that's, this is like literally how we think of you. Like, can you think of like, it's hilarious. It's like, what is this movie? It's like, it was Barbara Meryl Streep. And Diane, so Kate, and Diane yeah. Keaton and Babs. I'm like, we're in a Kate, very different that's era. That's really funny. It's but, so true. But, <laughs> the band of Meryl Streep, Barbara Streisand, and Diane Keaton would sell out Dodger Stadium. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. Easily. That would be big. Easily. We need Bette Midler in there somewhere, though. Yeah, I would yeah. call, I call Bette. Okay. Um, <laughs> who's a rule breaker? Who's like the most Alana. mischievous? Okay, hands okay. down, Alana, hundred percent. First celebrity crush, um, first Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh my, my god, writer Devin Sawa. Oh my god, Devin Sawa. I remember that guy. Home Jonathan Taylor Thomas was on Home Improvement. Yeah, and he played the Lion King. Okay. He was the voice of Simba. Mine Got was Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. Yeah, very Jonathan Taylor Tom Thomas esque. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, he's same, like, like yeah, 90s same kind of vibe. Yeah. Devin Sawa was sort of a darker bad boy. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense that Daniel like interesting, yeah. rooting, rooting. What about first concert you ever saw? First concert, Doobie Brothers. Doobie Brothers. Yes, Doobie Brothers. Brothers. Oh, that's, that's I remember been on a Doobie Brothers, Brothers kick this Doobie. quarantine. I know it's true. Taking it to the taking it to I, the streets. I will never forget when at that concert I smelled weed for the first time. I was like fully, I was like a baby. I was like a full baby. And I remember turning to Essie and being like, I remember at the whole concert, I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, what is that smell? And what Essie is that? As he was like, that's weed. And I was like, it's awful. And and then flash forward to when I was 13. Different story. <laughs> Different story. My parents didn't take us to like, like we wanted to go see the Spice Girls. We mm-hmm. wanted to go see like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And my parents were like, lol, that's really funny. <laughs> didn't go to any of those. Like the epic Britney shows that happened when like I was in like middle school and high school, like wasn't allowed to go. Right. My parents were, you know. What if you, what if you girls could like live in a decade? What do you think? Where do you think Ooh. you'd live? The 70s, probably. 70s. Yeah. Because you've had disco and you also had like sick classic rock yeah. and like yacht rock. Yeah. We'd all be there together. Uh, I think yeah. so. I feel like just like the the like notion of like my parents talk about it all the time, like when I mean they were like disco diehards, like diehards. Literally, like you would practice all week your dance moves with your dance partner <laughs> at a dance, like at a dance studio. How fucking cool is Sounds that? It was like so cool. Like my mom fun. had a dance partner and they would like go to like a little dance like place that like had like rooms and they would practice their dances. And then on Friday night, you go to the fucking dance club with a light up dance floor and you show off what you practice. It's, it was like a job. It was so like a fun. full job. Imagine like, you and Danny. Should... I mean, you and Danny practicing. I mean, 
every night <laughs> every night and then going and like showing off your moves like your couples dancing like um, my dream uh, my dream is to like open awesome. up a club like that in la like i all i want to do is just dance i don't need anything else you guys dance moves are one thing it's the outfit i know and the clothing okay guys who's the politest to strangers me i think we all are actually yeah I think I would say Danielle though because Danielle's the quietest in the family, so just she's just innately the most polite. All really like we're all really friendly. No, for sure. Nice to people. Who's the best in a stressful situation? Esty. Esty. Yeah, that's true. Okay, and let's do the last one. We do this. We ask this for uh, to everybody, but it's a two-parter. The first part is what what is something that your sister has that you would love to take for yourself, meaning a quality or, 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 or something that, that you could have as your own. And then on the flip side of it, what is something you would alleviate from them if you could take it away to sort of make their life better in some way or to take away any stressors or pains or anything like Let's that? Let's go baby first. Okay. So you guys both talk about Alana. I wish I could take Alana's wisdom and in and like in yiddish we have this word sechel 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 she has street it's not just that she has like good advice but she has like street smarts and i'd want to alleviate um i think just alana is very sensitive and i'd want to like i'd want to alleviate that from her i don't want she's you know i think her sensitivity can be a good thing, but I think, you know, it can also be, it can also be, you know, crippling sometimes. And I would want to take that away. I'll take it. I Mm -hmm. love it. Danielle for. I would want your ability to make a good toast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, make a good like a, like a speech. No, not like sourdough. No, like I was like, I was like, a lot of Alana can like make like a speech. It's true. Like very. I love. She loves a speech. A speech. She oh. really loves a speech. <laughs> I would. I want that ability because I'm horrible at it. Um, <laughs> what would I want to? Oh God, take. I don't know. I'm perfect. That's what <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like it's the same with me. Like when I feel like it's a family trait, like I feel like we get overwhelmed and like we're yes. like unable to like see anything other than like when we're overwhelmed. I feel like yes. I do that. I would want to take that away from you. Cause I, don't I please that. take it. I honestly don't want <laughs> it. I, she doesn't want it. It's so cute. Okay. Danielle. Now we're going, now we're, now we're focusing on Danielle. Okay. Hey, I would want Danielle's passion as well as ability. I think that she's one of the most like driven and passionate people, like perfectionist, like extraordinaire. And I wish I had more of that. Um, And yeah, what I'd want to take away from her is her like getting overwhelmed and like anxiety and I guess it also goes back to like sensitivity and stuff. I think we're all like very, very sensitive people and I'd want to alleviate like the pain and the anxiety that she has sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. Last but not least, big uh, sis. Um, I would. No, Alana has to go. Oh, oh shit. Typical sorry. 
for a baby. Uh, no one cares about me. I'm Fuck sorry. Everyone. I'm fucking done. <laughs> um, no. Um, I would take Danielle's um, creativity. Danielle is, I honestly think creatively, like, like with everything that she does, she like her brain is always in the future. She just like always is just so fucking good all the time. It just blows my mind all the time. Um, and what I would take away from you is probably stress. Danielle, you know, it's a lot of stress. Danielle holds a lot of things up her shoulders. I don't We're want to We're sensitive Sally's. We're very sensitive. Yes. Okay. Big sissy time. Sis. Um, okay. SD. Oh, I, if I, if the one thing I wish I had, I also tell you this all the time is that SD has like zero fear. She like actually does not have fear. Like in life, like she has gotten, she has snuck me into so many things without any fear. Like to the point where I like get super stressed out about it. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, what's happening? She's like, come the fuck down. I got you. Like she's always had zero, she's always had zero fear. Um, what I would take away, obviously, I don't want you to have diabetes anymore. I would love for you to just be healthy. I would love to take that away and alleviate. I think both of us yeah, would probably that, say the same gonna thing. Take, that's going to be mine um, too. And I just, don't, I, again, like I don't want you to have stress over health. That's like the thing that I think you stress about the most is that of your health. So I wouldn't want to take that away from you. I feel like mine are so like <laughs> along the same lines. Yeah, I mean... Essie, like, definitely, like, doesn't have any sort of fear. Her ability to talk. Essie can oh, talk to true. anyone. Like, I can't, this is, like, <laughs> my for I'm, like, very shy. Um, Essie can talk to anyone for hours. I wish I had that for myself. I'm so bad at that. I'm, like, have social anxiety. So <laughs> I would definitely take that. Um, yeah, and obviously I want to rid Essie of her diabetes. Mm. Oh, so how are you with that? Meaning like, it's just a crazy time. I mean, are you, where's your fear level at this point? Do you just staying inside? Yeah. I mean, it's funny you talk about fear. It's like, that's the only thing that I'm like fearful of is like my health, everything else in life. I think I just kind of have this trust in the universe that everything's going to be okay. And I think that's where my fearlessness comes from. And I also am just... I don't know. I've, I've from like a really, really, really young age, I guess I've always felt like, why not try? And now with this coronavirus, I have to kind of rein that in a little bit and be like, no, like you need to not trust in the universe that you'll be okay <laughs> and stay the fuck inside and mm-hmm. be as careful as possible. I mean, I think. Are you very open about the- your diabetes? Do you talk about it a lot? Um, I. I take every opportunity I possibly can to talk about it because I think that like, like it's important to like raise awareness and also like have a sense of community. And I like to make people uh, with autoimmune disease kind of, I I want them to not feel so alone. And I think there is like a loneliness that kind of sets in when you have an autoimmune disease because your body's quite literally turning against itself. And like, it's, it can be a little frustrating and isolating and, um, but yeah, it's like, you know, the way that, again, I'm lucky that I have Danielle and Alana with me on tour because I don't think I would be able to really like thrive on tour the way that I do if I didn't have Danielle and Alana because they're so, 
they're so like caring when it comes to like food, like the food that I'm going to eat. I mean, it's, diabetes is a 24 hour job you can't clock out of. So like, and the mental component to that is, is really intense. And like, there's definitely days when I'm like, fuck this, I'm done. Like, like I'm, I'm done caring about this shit. I don't care what I eat. I'm not going to take my insulin. I don't give a fuck and you can't do anything about it. And then I have Dan Alana being like, that's not true. There is something you can do about it. You can like rein it in for a second. Like everything's going to be okay. What do you need? Like, and I'm lucky that I have two people that care about me as much as they do in my life. I mean, of course my parents care as well, but like, I don't see my parents on a day-to-day basis. Like I see Dan Alana and in quarantine, it's been a lot of like, do you have enough insulin? Do you have enough, like, do you have enough CGMs? Like, do you have enough supplies for your insulin pump? Like, how are you feeling today? It's like a lot of like us checking in with each other literally every day to make sure that, you know, each of us is okay. And uh, again, like a lot of type one diabetics don't have that. And and that's everything I've been hearing from them during quarantine. Like I, there's like a community of type one diabetic girls that I talk to. Um, and that's kind of been the hardest part is like, because most of them are in isolation and living by themselves and like quarantining by themselves is like, they don't really have people to kind of interact with in that way. And like to talk to and be like, I'm really not feeling, you know, the best up here today. I had a high blood sugar. I don't feel well. Like, and so I guess I, I, I I try to be that for as many, you know, type one diabetic girls as possible. But, you know, again, I'm lucky that I have Dingo and Alana. They are my biggest cheerleaders. Every time like I have a low, they're there. Every time I like have a like a victory, like I have a I get test results back that are good. Like they're right there to like congratulate me and like make me feel like I'm making progress. And but yeah, it's you know, it's it's not it's definitely not easy, but mm. you know. Everyone, there's good days and bad days. I think it's really important. You know, this is, I think, a lot of people, whether it's type 1, type 2, pre-diabetic, this is a very, very scary, you know, until they have treatments that make it a little bit more understandable, you know, it's just a scary time. And it's, it's, um, I think it's amazing if someone has any kind of platform to, like, just talk about their own experiences. It goes such a long way and people feel so alone. You're what you're saying. And it's, you know, they feel alone. And I mean, when I was first diagnosed, I think the only person that really ever talked about being diabetic was Mary Tyler Moore. And I just remember like being like, I like great, but like, you know, there wasn't really like someone that was speaking outwardly about like, I have this, this is what I've gone through. You're going to be fine. And also, you know, I think it, it also comes down to like the people around you, including like doctors, which I think is so crazy is like telling diabetics that like they won't be able to do the things that they've dreamt of doing because of their disease and how it's almost like they almost treat it like it's, yeah, like it's going to be something that's going to keep you from your dreams. I told my doctor at 14, I want to be a touring musician. And he was like, that's going to be hard. I would maybe find something else to do. And the other day, my, my mom was telling me how her best friend's neighbor just got diagnosed with type one diabetes at 17. And she wanted to go into the Navy. And the Navy was like, well, you can't now because you're diabetic. And 
you know, that was her dream. And like, granted, like, you know, and there's things like my dad, you know, there's this like this infamous story. My dad wanted to be a pilot. And we've all seen Little Miss Sunshine. Basically what happened to my dad happened in Little Miss Sunshine. Like his whole life, he wanted to be a pilot. All he dreamt about was being a pilot. And then he took a test and they were like, that's funny, you're colorblind, can't happen. And he was like, I demand a retest. I'm not colorblind. And then lo and behold, they did like the numbers test and he was colorblind. And I think his whole life, he just kind of felt like, well, that sucks. But I think when it, when it's something like type one diabetes, that's like this thing where like everyone, you know, I know the statistics. I know, I know what I'm dealing with, but I think it's also important to have this sense of like hope and like, think about your, like the, the things you want to do in your life and your future and be, you know, ferocious and, you know, uh, passionate about the things that you want to do and not let something like that get in the way. But it's frustrating when it's something that's physical and like your, your health that's stopping you from achieving your dreams. I'm grateful that you talk about it. I think it's awesome. And it is like, listen, like every day, like I said, every day is different and every day is like, going into it being like, okay, I'm just going to do my best. And like, if I have a bad day, I have a bad day and like you move on. But you know, like I said, yes, I do think that, you know, we're writing our journeys and we're writing our, our lives day by day. Um, but again, I'm lucky that I have two people that are truly supportive. Well, if you, if you need a third and, and you get, lo- <laughs> and you get lonely, I'll, 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 I'll do I a little zoom. I don't know what it's like to live with boys. Uh, like, what's going to happen uh, if we have sons? I don't think I'm going to know what to do. It's great. You know what? It's, it's the scary. best. <laughs> I feel super lucky to have all brothers. But then at the same time, every time I talk to sisters, I there's this little, like, aching thing in me. Where I'm like, I never had a sister. You can hop <laughs> onto our side. You can hop onto our side anytime you want. Okay. Mm. All right. I love it. I'll come play the flute. Sibling Revelry is executive produced by Kate Hudson, Oliver Hudson, and Sim Sarna. Supervising producer is Allison Bresnik. Editor is Josh Windish. Music by Mark Hudson, a.k.a. Uncle Mark. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. 
Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.